Tonight, we are going to talk about a message from the days of old. And I'm going to ask us, we're going to start with a scripture tonight. It's a story about Jesus, and it's going to illustrate one of my favorite Bible characters. Tonight, we'll be talking about two people from the days of old, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. Most specifically, we'll be talking about this biblical word called God's anointing. Everyone say God's anointing. So hopefully you'll learn something tonight about what that is and we'll see some lessons from Elijah and Elijah. Luke chapter 8 verse 28 says, Now about eight days after these sayings, he, this is Jesus, took with him Peter and John and James and went up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And, he, and behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. I chose this scripture because there aren't a lot of people that you see glimpses of having a conference with Jesus discussing his cross and resurrection. Uh, but here you have two, and one of them is Elijah. Who is this man that was in conference with Jesus who came down from heaven when Jesus was transfigured? Him and Moses were talking with him about his departure, which he was about to accomplish. That's a nice way of saying about his crucifixion, which was about to happen. So on that mountain, while Jesus was transfigured and, and literally means what was inside came to the outside, he, he was seen for who he was. And there's Elijah and Moses. Tonight we're going to talk about Elijah. Certainly a guy of that stature, somebody that God would use to speak and have a conference with Jesus must be pretty important. So we're going to talk about him tonight. We're going to talk about his successor and how the process happened. So a couple things to note. Elijah in the Bible is noted for eight special miracles. And there are people that say more or less, but these were the big ones, eight special miracles in the Bible. And uh, you can read about him in 1 Kings and a little bit in 2 Kings, which we'll start tonight. And, and there's, a, there's a whole bunch of stories about him, but here's his eight miracles. Elijah shut up the heavens, causing a drought. He came to the wicked King Ahab and said, thus says the Lord, there will be no dew and no rain for years until I say so. He multiplied flour and oil for a widow to sustain her in a famine. He raised a widow's son from the dead. Number four, he defeated the prophets of Baal by calling down fire from heaven. He brought rain three and a half years after it began. He destroyed 51 soldiers with fire and lightning. Boy, you got to, I hope, if you, if I'm intriguing you and you're thinking, who is this guy? I hope you'll go home and read these stories. These are like classic, coolest Bible stories in the world. But the soldier comes up to meet him and the wicked king wanted Elijah. And the soldier came up and said with his 50 men, the king says, come down from that hill. And Eli, he said, oh man of God, if, Come down from the hill, Elijah said, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And woof, they're toast. <laughs> Round two, another soldier, another 50 men. He does it again. Poof, they're toast. 
the third guy comes up with his 50 men on his knee and said, Elijah, have mercy. <laughs> the king wants to talk to you, but I don't want to end up like those other guys. I'm not that stupid. And he said, okay, I'll go with you. Anyway. Number seven was he, he, he destroyed another 51 soldiers. Number eight, he parted the waters of the Jordan River. Parted the waters of the Jordan River. So I'm not going to give you any more than that because I don't have time. But God used Elijah to call his people back to himself at a very dark time when the people of God had turned away from God and they were about to lose their identity. Everyone say lose their identity. I know the Crave Youth Conference, the whole theme is going to be identity, but the, the, the Israelites were known as the people of God, belonging to God, having the name of God. Just like we are Christians, we carry the name of Christ. The Israelites were the people of God, but they had turned away from God and they had sinned to such a point and they, they were vacillating between is God the real God God or should we serve this idol Baal and they were about to lose their identity Elijah was sent from God to challenge them to come back to God so they wouldn't lose their identity that was his whole mission that's where all these miracles happened that that was his challenge on top of that mountain you need to choose if the Lord is God then serve him if this Baal this idol if this is God then serve him but you got to make a choice that was Elijah God used Elijah, as we read, to perform many miracles. He was greatly feared and revered. Both are true. People loved him, revered him, and feared him. And many, many people wanted the spiritual power that Elijah had. Many people wanted that power. You say, how do you know that? Because in every town, and we're going to read the story in a moment, in every town where Elijah circulated, there were people called the sons of the prophets. You know what the sons of the prophets were? They were wannabe Elijahs. That, that's sounding sarcastic, but they, they were people that wanted to be prophets. They were people that said, hey, we want to do what Elijah does. They were called sons of the prophets. We would call them seminary students today or Bible school students. They, they wanted to be like Elijah, sons of the prophets. So Elijah had something that they wanted, that spiritual power. Elisha, not E-L-I-J-A-H, E-L-I-S-H-A, the son of a wealthy farmer was called to follow Elijah and become his servant. Elijah went, found this man Elisha, plowing and said with 12 yokes of oxen even if he just was overseeing it that's a pretty wealthy farmer in the day that'd be like having 12 big John Deere tractors plowing a big field that's that wasn't my family farm it was a wealthy farm and Elijah goes up to him and he takes his mantle I'm going to explain this here in a little bit but we'll just pretend this was Elijah's mantle and he takes it and he fires it on him now to us, so what's he doing? They knew what that meant. That meant he's inviting him to come along. And Elisha says, well, I'll wait, wait. Uh, I, I've got a dad back home. I have to wait and bury my father. And we think, well, he's dying. But in reality, it literally meant the eldest son had a responsibility to take care of dad until he died. And then he also got a double inheritance for that responsibility. So he's saying, hey, I got, I'm the firstborn here. I got to stay home with dad. And he said, you do whatever you want. I don't care. I'm going on. 
classic Elijah. He said, I don't care. You, you want to stay home with dad? You want to follow me? You pick. And he goes, nope, stop. Stop, wait. He kills a pair of oxen, takes the, the yoke made of wood, makes a fire, offers a sacrifice, and said, I'm following you. So Elisha begins to follow him. Elisha became his servant, followed Elijah around. Probably not the easiest guy to hang out with by the, by the looks of it. I, I don't know. Probably fun, but not. Dr. Cottle, the founder of the School of Theology that we're hosting tomorrow night, said it this way, and he's a very learned man. He said, Elijah was crude and rude. He was a guy that was a lot like John the Baptist, probably from the poor side of the tracks and was not a good fit for Elisha at all. And uh, yet he was God's pick. God's miracle power is what made Elijah so intriguing. It's not just everybody that walks up to the Jordan River and slaps it and then walks across on dry ground. Most people have to wade through the water. It's not everybody that calls down fire when the king sends soldiers to come after you. It isn't everybody that has the prophets of Baal on the mountain saying, why don't you pray to your God and I'll pray to mine. And whatever one answers by fire, he's the real God and they're praying. And he says, hey, how long have you guys been at this? Maybe you need to pray louder. Why don't you scream more? Why don't you cut yourself more? I think your God is going to the bathroom. That was Elijah. Read it for yourself. But he had God's miracle power. God's miracle power we call his anointing, anointing. You read the word in the Bible, and we used to say it more, but it's a very real word. So I'm going to give you a definition, then we're going to read the story. The anointing in the word for Hebrew, the Hebrew word for anointing literally means to smear or to oil, to smear or to oil. Now, smear sounds kind of icky, but literally the idea is you take your hands and you fill them with oil, and you get somebody close enough to wipe it off onto them. The anointing. So God picked Elijah and put his oil and his hand on him and wiped it off. It didn't mean that everything about Elijah's personality was perfect. It just meant God left his anointing on that man. And now we have Elisha, the rich guy, the much more developed what if somebody uh, had someone tell me once, they said, uh, you know, it's a lot like you, just more cultured. I thought, oh, well. So, Elisha was a lot more cultured than Elijah. And who was going to be close enough for Elijah to wipe his hand on? All the sons of the prophets wanted it. Every city had a gathering. And Elisha is there. In order to get God's anointing from someone who has it, pretty, pretty simple. You got to be close. You can't throw oil on people from a distance. You can't get it at Walmart. You can't go away to Bible school and get it. You're going to have to be around somebody who's got it. You're going to have to be close. Number two, you're going to have to want it. Desirous. Number three, you're going to have to be faithful. And number four, you're going to have to be persistent. Let's read the story. You'll see it. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. Elijah's life is over. God said, ready? Ready to go? 
Take them to heaven. Like a dear little girl one time, I prayed for child dedication. She was about four, I think. I knelt down and said, no, we're going to just give you to God right now. And she said, not now. I don't want to go up there now. <laughs> now, when the Lord, in verse 1 of chapter 2 of 2 Kings, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me ahead as far as Bethel. He said, You stay here, I'm going on. Elijah said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elijah and said, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? You know, I always marvel at the fact that these guys were spiritual enough to know that God was going to take Elijah to heaven, but they weren't determined enough to get close enough to have what he had. Lots of people can be sideline prophets, armchair quarterbacks. Well, I know what God is doing. Well, why not get up by Elijah and, and get some of it? All right, I better go. And he said, yes, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elisha said to him, Elisha, please stay here. The Lord's called me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were there drew near to Elijah and said, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, yes, I know. Shut up. <laughs> Keep quiet. Well, what, what, it, you, you figured out. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them. They're looking at the Jordan River. And they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took out his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water, and the water was parted one side to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what shall I do for you before I'm taken from you? I bet all those sons of the prophets were thinking, man, why does he get that? What do you want me to do, Elijah? Elisha, what do you want? I'm going to heaven. What do you want? And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. That, that's not weird. He was just saying that anointing, that thing that God smeared on you when he put his hand on you, that, that Holy Spirit power that makes you be able to do things like slap that river and we just walked over on dry land. I want double what you've got. That's pretty bold. Especially asking the guy that calls down fire on you if, you don't, if he doesn't like what you ask. I want a double portion. He said, you've asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it will be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. I bet he kept his eyes peeled right then. <laughs> and as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. And he saw him 
no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them in pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from heaven. This is not the cloak of Elijah. I want to explain it. This is a modern Jewish prayer shawl. I bought it in Israel at a tourist shop. It's a real one, but it's, it's, it's modeled after the shawl of Elijah. Jewish tradition, which can't be proved, says that the cloak of Elijah was kept by Elisha, given to the temple where it was kept in a special room and later given to John the Baptist. Whether or not that's true, we don't know. But it would have looked something like this. A shawl. This is a, this is a small one. Probably looked a little bit more like something you'd just throw around your shoulders. Elijah maybe did it to keep himself warm. Maybe he did it as a symbol. By the time of the days of Jesus, this was called the talit. It was what Jewish men wore to pray. When Jesus said, go into your closet to pray, he didn't mean go to the place and kneel on all your shoes. It meant cover yourself. And so Jewish men would cover themselves with their prayer shawl, and then they would pray, and they would wrap themselves in it. All these little stripes and tassels are symbols of the commandments of the Old Testament, 613 of them. So they were a reminder that they were wrapped in God's word. And that was a likeness of that shawl of Elijah. Jesus had one of these. And when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he would have had it wrapped around his head. And guess what would have stained it? His own blood when he swept those great drops of blood. If you remember the story of the woman who had the issue of blood and couldn't be healed. And she said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. You see that long blue tassel? That's the special tassel they held when they prayed. That's what she wanted to touch. She said, if I can touch what he holds when he prays, I'll be healed. So she came up and grabbed this little tassel. And she was well. Elijah had this not as elaborate. His would probably have been made uh, because he was a poor man, maybe out of camel wool, sheep wool. It probably would have smelled like the barn, full of sweat because he probably, you don't wash it. And he, Elisha goes up to heaven and Elijah's standing there and that thing floats back down. Now Elijah, did I get it? Did I get God's hand smearing his anointing on me? That's what I wanted. All those years of serving that man I wanted it. I wanted God. He walks back up to the Jordan River. And remember, he's got an audience of a bunch of people. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? The water parts. Let's read the rest of it. He took the cloak of Elijah in verse 14 that had fallen from him. He struck the water saying, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they all said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elijah. And so it did. 
I read to you that Elijah in his day performed eight great miracles. Without taking the time, I will tell you that the same research found that Elisha had 16 great miracles in his life. 16. He said, I want double. And he got it. So today I want you to think about things that are true of the Bible. We say we want God, but do we get close enough to God and his people, realizing that the vehicle which God carries his anointing from person to person is not truth, it's relationships. Truth is the power, but truth doesn't carry the power. The power is carried in relationships. Elisha could have sat in the school of the prophets all his life. Do you think his robe, his robe would have part of the Jordan River? It was because he got by Elijah and said, I want what you got, and I don't care how hard it is to work with you, I'm going to be there. I want it. And God calls all of us into churches for relationships that we need. We need each other. We need people that have something that we want, that we can say, I want that. I needed the great man Lee Wine that I met when he was 82 and we were just starting a family. And he, he became a great mentor to us in guiding our family. I looked at him and when he said that his father had 13 kids and for five generations they were all faithfully serving God. They all had great families. I looked at him and I said, I want that. And that that's how I want for my family. And so consequently, he became our best friend. He was known as Grandpa Lee to all of our kids. Every Sunday, he'd be at our house telling stories until we'd fall asleep and then wake back up. He'd still be talking. And we'd be, and we'd be listening to great stories. I credit whatever God has done in our family to Grandpa Lee. But I had to get close enough to listen to the stories. God's going to call you to people that you need to be close to. And you might not even be best buds. They might not be, they might not make you feel real good. They might sandpaper you a little bit. Don't, don't be drawn to people as mentors who are at a lower spiritual ebb than you so that you can feel comfortable living a compromised life. Find somebody who's gonna challenge the daylights out of you and say, I want that, I want that. And one day, you're going to pick up a mantle. And you're going to say, I want that. And God's going to say, here you go. It's a beautiful story. Jesus had his 12. Remember, he didn't just assign them duties and say, I'll check on you in three years. He lived with them, ate with them, slept with them, worked with them, answered ridiculous, stupid questions all the time, fished with them. Paul had his team. Over 30 people were on the team of Paul the Apostle. You say, were they all staff people? I don't think any of them got paid, but many of them lived and died for the cause of Paul the Apostle. In the Old Testament times, there was one basic prophet. There were others, but there always was one great man of God. So Elisha, there was only one person going to get this. In the New Testament, God is generous enough to share it with us all. But don't think it's going to fall on you at Walmart when you're shopping. Don't think it's going to happen because you pick friends who are going to celebrate your compromised life. Find an Elijah. Find an Elijah. Whether that Elijah represents the family you want, the marriage you want, the ministry you want, the business atmosphere you want, whatever it is you want, you find somebody who's going to challenge you. Get close. Serve them and get a hold of their mantle. Would you stand up together tonight?
This story is not something new. Many of you have heard it before. The New Testament time is more generous than the old. Elisha and Elijah had a power of the Holy Spirit wiped upon them. We have the power of the Holy Spirit rising up within us and bubbling through us, as Jesus said, like rivers of living water. Do you remember how many times Elijah told Elijah, stay home, I gotta go. What if he just said, okay, you gotta press in. Somebody told me once, you have exactly as much of God in your life as you want. No more and no less. You can have whatever you want, if you really want it. Let's pray that God helps us. Lord, we ask you tonight to help us. We've looked at your great friends, Elijah and Elisha. And now we ask you, who have befriended us through Jesus Christ, to help us to follow you, to desire you, to pick good mentors, to model ourselves after others, to put away our compromises and follow you with all of our heart. Like Elijah, we pray for our own nation, America, that we would not lose our identity, that we would not turn away from so much of the good that we once had. We pray for the churches of our nation that they would find themselves and that they would find their own identity in Jesus and follow you. We pray for our own lives that you would help us. And with every head bowed, if you're here tonight and you've not made a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ, I mean you and him personally saying, I need Jesus, I believe in Jesus, and I'm gonna commit my life to Jesus. If you haven't done that and tonight you want to, we invite you to say yes. And if that's you, would you just right now raise your hand just so that we know to pray with you tonight. Raise your hand saying, I want Jesus. I'm going to make that prayer. I'm dedicating my life to him. I don't care what anybody thinks, what anyone says. I want Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand tonight. All right. Father, we thank you for this night, and we pray your blessing on everyone here in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. God bless you.